0: Welcome to this podcast from Christchurch Blackpool. For more information, please visit ccblackpool.co.uk. God, I thank you, God. God, I thank you for your goodness to us. God, I thank you that the truth is no matter what we've done, how old we are, Lord God, whether we're a month or two old or whether we're in our 90s, God. You are for us. You love us. Your desire is to be, have a relationship with us, to do us good, Lord Jesus. And there is nothing better than to know you, Lord God. We thank you for your goodness. Amen. 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 Like I said, um, I'm just gonna give a quick message and then um, food is... You look at me like I've got something to do. No? 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 Okay. Okay. No, my wife was giving me a look like I thought she was trying to um, telepathically tell me something. And it, my, my telekinesis was off. Um, anyway, right. Brilliant, you've already done it. Great, thank you so much. Right, so like I said, being a parent is challenging, it's hard work, but it is brilliant. It, it is a blessing. It's, it's exciting. and um, And... Uh, One of the kind of things about being a parent that kind of marries up excitement and joy along with just sheer exhaustion is questions. Now you guys aren't there yet, but soon you'll get to the stage where these two boys are going to be asking you lots of questions because kids are inquisitive. They want to know how things work. They want to know what, thing, what things are, how the world works. What, 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 what makes that happen? What makes that happen? Why did you do that? Why do you go there? And, 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 and like for, for example, our, our, our youngest, Elsie Grace, okay, um, back in October, we moved house. And um, uh, I, I remember one day, uh, uh, she, she said to me, I hope the people buying our house, I hope their girl likes the way I've done my bedroom. I was like... Elsie Grace, what, what do you mean? He's like, well, I have a girl's room, so a girl is going to move into my room. I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, I have a girl's bed. I have girl clothes. I have girl pictures. I was like, okay, Elsie Grace. Okay, when we move, we take our stuff with us. So then that opened up a whole new trapdoor of what you actually take and what you don't take. Okay. Do 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 I take my clothes? Yes, you take your clothes. The wardrobe? Yes, you take the wardrobe. The carpet? No. Okay? Do we take our sofas? Yes. Do we take the pictures on the wall? Yes. The windows? No. Okay? Do we take the crockery and, and cutlery and all that kind of stuff? Yes. But we leave the kitchen. Okay, you know, all these things, she was constantly like, so do we take this, do we take that, or does that stay, it's really kind of confusing for her mind to kind of grasp the fact that we're moving to a different place, and now since, right, she's been on the whole thing, if she's six years old, she's on the whole thing like, so how do you buy a house? <laughs> well, you have to have a job, well, what job can I get to buy my, I don't know what she's planning to do, she's, you know, what job, yeah, she's planning to leave, um, what, what, how, what job do I need to get so I can get a house? And so I, was basically just, I started on like saying about how mortgages work, and I thought, no, you're six years old. You can't do this until you're a grown-up, okay? You're going to have to wait a few years until you buy your own house. And then we kind of left it at that. But they, they are thirsty for knowledge. They're thirsty to, for how the world works. And they, they ask questions all the time. And as, as parents, sometimes you kind of can grasp the opportunity, and you're like, yeah, I love this. I can ask them, ask, answer these questions. And sometimes you're just like, I don't want to answer another question. I can't do it I can't do it but but they ask small questions but they also ask massive questions you know someone someone is sick why are they sick someone dies what what happens to them when they die what happens to me when i die what, you know what 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 is god like does what, what does god what what what, the, what things about god can i know can i see god can i can i can i know god personally what 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 what, what about god and so and as parents, we kind of have the, the privilege, but also the scary task of being the first ones, really, on the front line to answer those sort of big questions. And, and I pray that you guys would do well. I pray that I do, I do well in answering those sort of questions. And I think there's no kind of better place to go in, in if we think of the prodigal son. You know, The fact that you've got this guy who, who leaves home. Who decides that he can do things, he can have things, he can find joy, he can find peace, he can find fulfilment in something other than his father? And he ends up spending all his money and everything he has, and he's less feeling fine, he's less being short. That the highs don't last for very long. And eventually, he, he kind of comes back, crawling to his father, thinking he could just be, he could just be a servant. That would be better than what he'd known before. But his father is waiting for him, who sees him far off and comes running. Not tapping his feet, ready to discipline him. Not running to give him a good beating and tell him to clear off. No, running to embrace him with love. That's what our God is like. He's a God who loves us. You see, God made us for a relationship with him. God made us, God made these boys, God made us, every single one of us, for a relationship with him. He made us so that death isn't the end. Then actually, from the moment, if you do, if you choose to, you choose to say yes to Jesus. I want to follow you, I want to give you my whole life. Life continues, and though you physically may die, you continue living with Jesus forever and ever into eternity, where there is no pain, where there is no suffering, it's never boring, where there's no disappointment, where life is better forever than we could ever possibly imagine. So my my question for you this morning is, do you know him? Do you know Jesus? That might feel like a silly question to ask, we're, we're in a church environment, do you know Jesus? Well, my question is, do you know that you know that you know that you know that you know him? Okay? Because that's what I want. Because life can be so busy sometimes, we don't even stop to think. And actually, what I want to give you this morning, the opportunity to stop and think, do I know that I know that I know that I know Jesus? Do I really know Jesus? If, if you know, perish the thought, but if I was to walk out here, get hit by a car, or if I was to have a heart attack or whatever, do I know that I'd be with Jesus, that I'd meet him, that I'd be with him in heaven? Do I know that I know that I know that I know that deep down? Or am I just crossing my fingers and hoping that because I've come to to church or because um, I I, I live my life in a a decent way, that it will be okay? No, do you know that you know that you know that you know Jesus? I want to, like I said, and I'm going to give you the opportunity this morning to to actually stop and say that. Like I said, I don't care how old you are, but if you this morning want to, you you decide actually, I want to follow Jesus. Maybe it's a case of you, you walked in here and you think, actually, I don't think I've ever made that decision. You can do that. Maybe it's you think, I think I've done it. Actually, I'm pretty sure I did it, but I'm not sure it really meant anything well, why not walk out of here knowing that you meant it? Or maybe it's a case of actually you have given your life to Jesus, you have decided to follow him, and that was a long time ago, and actually you think, well, I've kind of drifted. I don't really live for Jesus. And actually you you can use this as kind of a fresh start for that. So I'm going to tell us a quick story now. And by the end of it, I'm going to pray and ask everyone to close their eyes, and if you want to know that, if you want to have that line in the sand and say, uh, say I'm going to cross that, I'm not sure about knowing if I know that I know that I know Jesus, and I'm going to actually cross that line, I'm going to put my hand up, and in the morning I want to do that, then I'm going to ask you to put up your hand when everyone's eyes, eyes are closed, and I, then I'd love to pray with you afterwards. But, so that's what I want you to think about, so let's get, let's get into my story. I'm going to tell you the story of Jesus' encounter with a woman at a well, who she met, who he met once. It says this, okay? Um, if you want to, find, it's in John chapter four. If you want to find this, if you um, later, or whatever. But I'm going to read it and then um, dive into it. So it says, now he had to go through Samaria. That's Jesus. So he came to a town in Samaria near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When the Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said, You, a Jew? And I, a Samaritan woman, how can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. So, here we have this woman who is kind of like the prodigal. What we'll find is she is thirsty for something. She's looking for something. And uh, it says that Jesus encounters her. And firstly, what I just want to highlight for you is, is this like, little dialect that they have here. Is where she says, you a you Jew. Talk to me. Firstly, a woman. Now, Jewish men back then, they prayed a prayer that was, thank you, God, I'm not a woman. Okay, they did not, they did not, they looked down on women. Jesus didn't. So it doesn't matter what your gender is, that is not a barrier for you to know Jesus. She is a Samaritan, he's a Jew. It doesn't matter what your race is, that is not a barrier for you to know Jesus. Jesus. She was an outcast. It doesn't matter what society thinks of you, whether you're high class, low class, middle class, it it doesn't matter what class you are, that is not a barrier for you to know Jesus. Actually, there is no barrier that can stop Jesus knowing you. Jesus wants to know you no matter who you are. That is who he is. That is who he is. You see, and before, uh, and, and he says actually, he says it, he doesn't care kind of about your spiritual CV. He doesn't care about your spiritual CV. You know, we might think, well, I'm not good enough to know Jesus. Let me, let me put it this way. Have any of you seen um, Dragon's Den? Anyone see Dragon's Den? Anyone know the concept of Dragon's Den? Yeah, some, yeah great, okay. Dragon's Den, okay, if you haven't seen it, basically you have four or five dragons, okay, if you haven't seen it, they're not dragons, they are rich business people who are wadded, okay, they kind of sit in these chairs with just piles of money just around them, you know, they're like 50 notes kind of just, just, just stacked up, you know, just, just to say, look, look how wealthy I am. Look how look how important I am. And, and, and you would come onto the show. Maybe some of you actually, we've got a few, we've got a load of our entrepreneurs, maybe some of you have thought of this going on there. Um, and basically you go on there and you have a business idea. And you bring your business idea to them, and basically what they do is rip you apart. They 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 they, they for some reason or another, another, they they find fault in, in your idea. They find fault in your product. They find fault in your plan. They find fault in your vision. Sometimes they find fault in your maths. You know, they, 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 they find fault in how much money you want to make your business succeed. They find fault in your experience. And sometimes they just find fault in you. They, they can sometimes go, well, I like the idea. I think it's a great idea. I just can't see you doing it. And then they end it with, and for that reason, I'm out. And so, that, that, and that's kind of how we can see ourselves. Because I've done this, because I've not done that, Jesus is probably out. He doesn't want anything to do with me. And Actually, the crazy thing is, Jesus looks at you and he knows you better than you know yourself. He knows you better than the person sitting next to you. He knows everything you've done. He knows everything that you've thought. He knows everything that you should have done that you didn't do. Every failure in your life, and he says, for that reason, I'm all in. I'm all in. See, Jesus wants you. Jesus wants you. He wants you. He wants you. you see, the, the crazy thing about this story is, I'm not to not to argue with the Bible writers or anything like that, but um, it says it says at the beginning of this passage. Jesus had to go through Samaria, right? So that's what it says at the beginning. You can look back if you don't believe me. Um, it's it. But the reality is every good Jew, you see what you have is you have Judea at the south, you have Samaria in the middle, and you have Galilee at the top. Jewish area, Jewish area, Samaritan area. And what Jesus did is he walked straight through. Well, you think, well, that, that, that's, that's logical. What most good Jews did, they went round, they did the long way around. so Jesus didn't have to go through he chose to he chose to because he wanted to meet this woman and he wants you you see the, the truth is that life is hard life you know we pray blessings over these two boys and the reality is you know we're going to Help support them. We're gonna love them. We're gonna help teach them, and their parents are gonna do the best they possibly can. But the truth is, life is gonna hurt at times. They're gonna have sickness. They're gonna have, um, they might have financial worries. They might have struggles. They might have heartbreak. Actually, and, 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 and you know, these, the, the, these parents, these, these boys as they grow up, they may have dreams for their lives. And they may not turn out how they, how they thought they would. You know, I've got ME, which, which means I can't do everything I want to. My life does not look like how I dreamed it would be. But the reality is, despite that, knowing God overcomes it. Knowing God overcomes that. And that's why we pray for these boys, because we know that they're going to set plans, they're going to have goals, they're going to to have things they want to happen, but life is going to happen, and bad things are going to happen to them, but we know no matter what happens in life, if they know Jesus, he is the solid ground that means that they will thrive rather than sink. You know, having ME is rubbish. But knowing Jesus means that I still thrive in my life, rather than being, you know, rather than being completely crushed by it. Maybe you think, maybe you think, well, maybe it's a case of God doesn't really know everything about me. Maybe it's a case of mistaken identity. Maybe this woman's thinking it's a case of mistaken identity that Jesus is speaking to her. Well, kind of, Let's just look quickly through the Bible. Okay, maybe you know these people, maybe you don't. If you don't, you're gonna get, you're gonna be introduced to them very briefly, okay? Because what we're gonna see is God doesn't pick perfect people. God picks people like Noah, who was a drunk. We, God picks people like Jacob, and if you've read the story of Jacob, he's like held as kind of the the great, one of the great biblical figures. He was a liar and probably the most awful father in the entire Bible. You know, he played favorites. He didn't care, seemed, when some of his sons got hurt. He, one of his daughters gets raped and he doesn't seem to do anything about it. He is an awful person. He's an awful, he's a trickster, he's a liar. You know, think, of, uh, think of David, David, the greatest king, adulterer, murderer. Think of, think of Jonah, Jonah ran away from God. Peter, he denied God. Thomas doubted God. You know, Paul, the great apostle, before he became a Christian, he murdered and imprisoned loads of Christians. And it is these very people Jesus chose to lavish his love upon. So the Bible is full of failures, full of people who are just complete failures. But Jesus wanted them, and he wants you. Let's continue the story. It says, The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For I am a Jew, do you not you do, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can I can you get this living water? You, are you greater than our father Jacob? You gave us the well. Who gave us the well to drink from? It, it's himself. would you give me some water? She says, how can you ask me for water? To which Jesus replied, if you knew who I was, how could you not ask me? How could you not ask me for water? He's saying that within him, within him. Is, is, and she gets there eventually. She's not quite got there yet. But she gets there eventually and realizes that he's not talking about literal drinking. He's talking about what satisfies you. What quenches your thirst? So guys, what quenches your thirst? What quenches your thirst? Is it, is it, is it sport? Is it, is it a career? Is it that na- na- next promotion? Is it, that na- na- is it money? Is it position? What is it? What is it that quenches your thirst? You see, what Jesus is saying is that It doesn't matter if you get that next promotion. It doesn't matter if you get that next job. It doesn't matter if you get that nice new house. For a moment, you'll be, ah, my thirst is quenched. But soon you'll be, you'll be dry. You'll need more, because nothing satisfies. If you don't don't believe me, um, listen, listen to this, okay? If you didn't grow up in England, this might be hard to understand. But I'm gonna go with it anyway. Because every two years, okay, there is either a World Cup or there is a European Cup, okay? And every few years, every two years, we English, we honestly believe that our England team is gonna win. (laughs) We honestly believe it. Now, recent years, Well, well, not recently, no, probably, but probably about five years ago plus, we started to get to a point where we thought, well, we're not really going to win. But then the World Cup or the Euros would come along, we'd be like, now nah, we're going to win, really? We are going to win. Somehow, some magic's going to happen, and we're going to win. And it's, you, know, you remember uh, last last year at the, at the Euros, we got all the way to the final. It was amazing. Game after game, more elation after elation. Until, uh, until, until, until that moment when Saka was running down the wing and he was choke cold and the referee did nothing about it because he was going to score from that. And it was complete devastation. Complete devastation. But, but I think that's kind of done us a disservice because we think this, this time round we're definitely going to win the World Cup. We are definitely. England is definitely going to win the World Cup. But, but like, we haven't quite got that elation. But, okay, for those of you searching for that elation... We have, in our, in, our, in our other great national sport, we have hit that high point. We have hit that high point. 2003, England 17, Australia 17. It's the last 20 seconds of the game. The ball, Dawson breaks through the Australian lines. He gets, taken, he, gets, he gets tackled into the ruck. The ball gets passed out. Johnny Wilkinson gets the ball, lines it up, drop kick, over. England, 20, Australia, 17, no time to respond, sheer elation. You know, the cameras that they have set up around the UK and all the pubs and stuff, everyone's going crazy. People are kissing people, people are hugging people who they don't even know. Everyone is absolutely ecstatic but it soon fades. You know, I don't know who you supported last night, whether you were a Liverpool fan or whether you were a Real Madrid fan. You know, if you're a Liverpool fan, you will get over it. <laughs> if you're a Real Madrid fan, the, the hype will go. I mean, you've won the, they've won the thing more than anyone else, but still, the hype will go. It will fade. Okay? Okay? You know, we've all had many highs. I'm sure we have. And these boys will have many highs. But what Jesus is saying, what he says to this woman, whatever thing you find in this world, it will never truly, ultimately, eternally satisfy. And I offer you something that will satisfy your soul forever. So he continues. He told her, Go, call your husband. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. In fact, you have had five husbands, and the man you are with now is not your husband. What, what, what you have just said is quite true. And then later on it says, The woman said, I know that the Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything. Then Jesus declared, I am the one speaking to you. I am he. You see, Jesus, Jesus then, it's like she's getting it. She's understanding, okay? There's something about water that quenches, something that will quench my thirst for eternity. And then Jesus starts talking about her husband. I mean, why go there, Jesus? It just sounds a bit mean. Why, why, why bring up this? I mean, you know, she's, she's, had, she's had five failed marriages, and now she's with a guy who forces her to go and get water in the middle of the day. You know, she's an outcast. Like I said, she, she gets water. She's getting water in the middle of the day. The women would have got water together at the beginning of the day, when it was cool. She has to come alone because she's a social outcast. So why is Jesus bringing this up? Is he just being unkind to point out what what's not right in her life? No. What he's doing is is he's he's showing her. Actually, he might need to show some of you that. We are all thirsty. Some of us are sitting here thinking, well, I'm not thirsty for anything. I don't need anything. I don't need God. I'm not thirsty for anything. And what Jesus points out to this woman is, yes, you are thirsty. You're thirsty for acceptance. You're thirsty for affection. You're thirsty for for a relationship. And when one fails, you need to go and get another. You're, You're thirsty for something. But ultimately, you're thirsty for something. You put your hope in something that can never, ever satisfy So what is it for you? What are you searching for? What are you searching for? Because when the woman finds it, it it says this, then leaving the water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told everything I did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards, towards him. You see, what we have is this woman who's coming out in the middle of the day complete in shame, kind of hunched over probably, kind of just not want to see anyone not want to make eye contact with anyone she meets Jesus and she goes running, she's leaping, she's with joy she doesn't care what people think about her anymore she's like, look, this is who I am it doesn't matter, Jesus loves me she, she finds this water that quenches all thirst. She finds something better than any other relationship. She finds anything, something better than any other job promotion, any other house move, any other, anything. She finds it. She goes from being completely broken after meeting Jesus. She's made whole. My question is, do you know that? Do you know that? And the truth is, actually, in and of ourselves, we can't know it. We can't know that joy because we've all messed up. We have all done stuff, every single one of us. And it doesn't matter how small or how big, the Bible says that that every single one of us has failed, has failed, and therefore we deserve separation from God's love, from God's glory. But 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to this earth. He lived the perfect life that we could not live. And he paid the price that we could not pay. So that if we put our faith in him, we could know that joy. We could know that quenching water, that satisfying life. That no matter what happens, we can know Jesus is with us, Jesus for us, Jesus greater than anything else. So my question to end on, do you know Jesus? Do you know that you know that you know, that you know Jesus? Do you know him? Because my plea to you is, if you don't, stop chasing after everything else because it will never, ever satisfy. But Jesus fully satisfies. He fully, fully satisfies. So I'm going to ask you all to close your eyes and I'm going to pray. And if you'd like to, know that you know that you know that Jesus is Lord. That when you die, that you will know him. That actually from this moment on, you can walk out of this hall. I'm going to ask that you, you will know him. I'm going I'm to pray, and at the end of my prayer, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Let me say, as I'm praying, whether you know God or not, I'm going to ask you just to pray along with me. Not out loud, do it in your, in your head, but pray it. Because you need to ask God into your life. I can't do it for you. So, Let's go. Lord Jesus, I, oh God, I recognize, God, that no matter what I chase after, what success, what relationship, what position, God, it always falls short. And it always falls short because it was never meant to satisfy me. God, you are the only one who can fully satisfy me. You are the only one who was meant to ever satisfy my soul. God, and I, I, I'm sorry for living my life without you. I'm sorry for messing up. God, but I thank you that you forgive me. So I ask you now, God, forgive me. Forgive me for the wrongs that I've done. Maybe right now you can think of some stuff that you've done that you're ashamed of. You can bring it to him. Bring it to him in your mind. And he forgives you. He forgives it. He forgives it. Lord Jesus, I bring you my baggage. I bring you my wrongs. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you forgive me. God, and I declare from this moment on, I want to wholeheartedly, 100% follow you. And Lord Jesus, I thank you that when I do that, you don't tap your feet and go, hmm, not sure. Lord God, you say, yes, yes, you're mine. Lord Jesus, I wanna follow you this morning and forevermore, amen. Keep your eyes closed. If you wanna make that your prayer for the first time, maybe the second time, whatever, why don't you raise your hand right now? Thank you. God, I thank you for who you are I thank you that you are King of Kings. God, I thank you that you are Lord of Lords. Jesus, we thank you that we get to eat together. God, Lord God, and we thank you that that you provide for us. Lord Jesus, I pray that you bless our conversations. You bless us as we go through the rest of our weeks. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, downloads, and podcasts, please visit Blackpool.